Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, our topic is wings and babies. And I brought this on myself because during the month of November for Rough Trade, I wrote a story called All the World. And in my story, Ragnarok spends most of it trying to, in the background, convince his son, Rizal, to marry this half fairy, half half diverger, so that he can have a grandbaby with wings. Um, he doesn't get his way. Um, but it was just like a running joke. And unfortunately, I in- incepted the Jillian with the winged babies. And when I asked her um, what kind of topic she wanted for the podcast, she said that she wanted to do a plot drift about winged babies. <laughs> now, if this evolves into a plot fic about Hannibal and Will adopting some wild fairy baby from the woods... I'm sorry in advance, sort of. <laughs> well, she asked me if I was drinking, and I was like, but this is your fault. You planted that seed. That's <laughs> why so I said it's totally her fault. So I brought it on myself. Yes, you did. Mind you, I have no concept of what I would do with about winged babies, but it sounds cute. <laughs> I mean, I have a winged baby, actually, in... um. What the fuck did I call that fic? I've been avoiding it since I wrote it. Um, Small magic? Patient Zero. Thank you, Lady Patient Holder. Zero. Um, John oh, right, and, right. Uh, it's a threesome fic with John, Miko, and Rodney. And um, their baby um, has wings. Of course, they all have wings. But um, the baby doesn't p- p- um, ever put his wings away. <laughs> ever. Wings out. <laughs> <laughs> out and proud um and so um they're they're basically dr- um dragon hybrids in in that story and so they have wings and i've also written a wing fic with john where john is a mutant and john has wings but other than that um and i wrote that because dances with gary gave me art what happened was she was writing something and I think it might have been slouching toward Bethlehem. Does that ring a bell for anybody? And she had this beautiful piece of art with John Shepard with on a gold yeah, it's a Legion fusion, thank you. Um on a gold background and he had these beautiful gold and it was gorgeous. It's a gorgeous piece of art. And I was like, I really like that. I kind of always pictured John Shepard with black wings. And this dances with Gary sent me art with John having black wings. And I was like, well, shit, now I've got to write something. (laughs) So I wrote the air, the angels breathe because dances with Gary gave me art with John having black wings. But I thank you. I had um, never um, even really thought about doing wing fic before that. I really like the air the angels breathe because John is so open emotionally. He's had his dad support his whole life. He's an only child, which is kind of sad. Um, but he is, um, he's really open emotionally and really, um, you know, once he decides, okay, you know, I'm, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> it's what they do. <laughs> and I really, really appreciate about him and that character in the, in that he's, he's open and, um, and loving and affectionate and, um, willing to say it. Well, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the sex scene on the, 
on the balcony with the wings. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun to write. But um, I think it would be kind of fun to do like um, a challenge in the future. Obviously not this year because we've got this year planned out. And the year after that, as a matter of fact, uh, for Rough Trade. But it might be fun to do like um, some mutant prompts. Yeah. Or we could do like a mutant bingo. Mutant power bingo. I like that. I know wing the thing is it was the first time I encountered Wingfic in in the Exiles fandom, I was like like mystified. I was like, what is this? What is this? And I thought I actually thought it was kind of a one off. And then I discovered there's like a you know, in almost every fandom there's a certain amount of wingfic that eventually pops up. Um Oh, Edie, go to the corner. All the way. Don't look back. <laughs> we did a sequel challenge last year, and I almost chose the air that angels breathe um, as my sequel choice. Came very close. Um, but in the end, I, I wanted to tell a different story. So, but um, I, I would like to go back and tell another. Honestly, I just want another excuse to write John and Rodney having wing sex. <laughs> wing sex, yeah. I mean, but actually one of my favorite scenes in that story is where Lorne and the Marines have fashioned this cannon to shoot to shoot soccer balls so that John can play in the air. And that's basically what it is. They're playing. You know, they're trying to say it's training exercises, but they're not training. <laughs> they're playing. <laughs> so... That's sacred, McKay. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's my favorite scene in that in that story, Beyond the Sex. Well, if you were going to write, why did, I, why did I start that question? So, in what circumstance would Tony Dinozo have wings? <laughs> oh, it'd have to be like a fairy AU, I, I would think. Unless, unless he was like, I did, remember when we did the, um, um, God, what was that challenge? Uh, I think it was Urban Fantasy. Remember when we did the Urban Fantasy challenge? The first thing I plotted for that challenge was um, a story where he was actually Faye and he was actually undercover trying to figure out why um, like the barrier between the worlds was eroding. And so he was, he was, he was pretending to be an NCIS agent, but he wasn't really. Um, thank you, Estefi. Um, that story by Dances with Gary is actually called Detour to Bethlehem, and it's on AO3, and I put it in the link library as well for those of you who might come into this podcast later in the, in the you know, in the future. Hello? I did also, yeah, I did, I was just thinking, I did also once plot an angel story. Angels were a little bit different. They weren't like biblical angels, but they were perceived as angels because of, you know, the big white feathered wings. Um but remember that bizarre cracky idea I had where like the aliens come along and impose a penalty on everybody and they decide to pick the Lord of the Rings as like the fusion that they're going to to teach them to not be such hateful, awful people or horrible xenophobes. You could do the same concept with fairies. We're going to turn you all into fairies. <laughs> and everybody wakes up one day just, with wings. We just don't like you the way you are. And so... You're a bunch of assholes. You're a bunch of xenophobes. So we're going to teach you to be a little bit more accepting. 
But you know what? There's like a certain subset of people that will wake up and be like, yes! Yes! yes. <laughs> I'm a hobbit! I mean, whatever. Whatever you are. My time has come! <laughs> I'm so ready for this. Look them, they go, oh, dude, I woke up and I was, I was a dwarf. I'm so happy. Or... <laughs> Do you see these giant butterfly wings? This is awesome. Of course, like, you know, a thousand people kill themselves instantly trying to fly. Can you, did you see my ass in these pants? <laughs> I'm excited. Right? It is, it is an assumption in wing fix stories that you instantly are able to use your wings. It's like, come on, that's going to take some practice. You didn't learn to walk. You didn't like pop out of the womb and stand up and start walking around. It takes time. But on the other side of it, some birds do just toss their chicks out of the out of the nest and say, fly, bitch. <laughs> well, some of those chicks don't fly. Make it till you make it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's Survival certainly, the fittest. It's certainly <laughs> more entertaining. Right entertaining to put the wing thing on top of a contemporary fandom because it's so bizarre right so it, it's like it's just such an odd thing right but i would be entertaining i think and then but it fits better with like a fan it's something that's a little bit more rooted in fantasy like it pretty i think you could do wing something in harry potter pretty easily can you imagine little harry no. sitting in his crib with wings <laughs> that's really adorable but actually i was thinking bilbo baggins Bilbo with wings would be charming. I love that. I idea. have given two different versions of my female Bilbo Baggins wings. Um, one where she is well, she's Feyborn on both, so she's basically half fairy. Um, and one where it's an alternate AU where where Erebor never fell, and that's called the Shield Maiden of Erebor, and it's on um, EAD. And the other one, which I've not shared, um, is that she's kind of um, she's kind of jaded and um, mean spirited, and she cursed the shit out of how do you say his name? The Elf King, um, Thranduil. Th Thand Thandril. Thranduil. I think it's Thranduil. It's a very strange name. Twatwaffle. Thanks, Senna. That's <laughs> I forgot that's how you pronounced it. Anyway, he committed a great crime against a, another of her kind, which was Hobbit Feyborn. Um, and so she's punished him and his entire kingdom. And so and they all have. And the the Shire, like even the ones who aren't Feyborn participate because they're just mean <laughs> and petty. So every year, like they gather up all the dandelions and and use birds to send all the seeds to the to the less than perfect forest now because she's cursed the shit out of it. And it's just like she because he's he's being punished for what he did. And the only way they can lift the curse is if he sails. But he's never going to sail. Oh, so he's like is he like is he like so he's what living in misery out of spite? Is he miserable or well, is it just more of an annoyance curse? It's like, well, he's miserable, actually. They all are. Um, and the only one who can leave is Legolas. Uh, because he wasn't there when it happened. And when he found out what was happening, he and, um, But um, he, uh, it's, it's, it's my headcanon that he wouldn't sail willingly um, because he doesn't have his wife. 
His wife died. She didn't sail. So I don't think he would sail without her. There, there's nothing for him there. Ouch. So that's just my headcanon that, that he would not sell ever willingly. So he makes all of his people because, miserable because he doesn't want to go be without his wife for eternity? Wouldn't he be without his wife for eternity either way? I think that he, he just would rather die and not have a life. He's just a so spiteful will, bastard. No, um, elves don't have an afterlife. They either they die or they sail. There's no afterlife for them. That's their trade-off for being basically immortal, unless they're killed. Well, what happens if she was killed. killed by orcs? So they have nothing if they're killed, right? No, the thing is, is that I think orcs are basically or the orcai, orsai, whatever they, orcai. That's the bitch from Stargate. <laughs> the orc, the, they're corrupted elves, but not all the orcs are elves. I don't believe. I mean, I have to read that again. Yeah, that's what I meant, Shadow. It just wasn't coming out of my mouth. But yeah, it's my headcanon that he would not ever sail willingly because there's nothing for him there. He might have followed Legolas, but one must remember that Legolas built his own boat so that he could take Gimli with him when he sailed. <laughs> so I don't know if his father was like, <laughs> fuck you, I'm staying here. <laughs> It's bad enough I had to put up with him while I was here, but I'm not going to spend my afterlife with him over there. <laughs> I'm sitting here pondering. Um, there is kind of an implication that there is an afterlife for those who are killed. Otherwise, how do they keep sending Glorfindel back? And clearly, their spirits just don't dissolve into nothing. There's something happens to them if they keep flinging him back. Right, so they. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Glorfindel isn't the same. He, um, he's not a regular elf. But they still must go somewhere if they're able to grab his spirit the first time and send him back. So he's different now. But the first time he died, was he different, or did they just decide he was going? I to... think that he was. He was always different. Like from the moment of his creation, he was. He had special purpose. Okay, so people are saying that the halls of Mandos are for the spirits of the fallen elves. So they do have some kind of afterlife, and either they're reborn. But they don't go to the. But they don't go to the same place. Like right. So if either the, elves the, that die don't go to the place where they sail, wherever that is, the the, the undying lands, Valinor. But I would think that if if he really wants to be with his wife, he just needs to pick a lot of fights until he if somebody eventually kicks his ass and kills him. <laughs> right. Right. But Why I don't think you... he would sail because he wouldn't be reunited with his wife. So it's like well, ultimately that's the same reason that um uh what's his name? Rivendell Elrond. Elrond does sail despite you know having to leave his daughter behind because his wife is waiting on him in the undying lands. He's just too pretty for words though. I kind of want to know. Beautiful. Just... Actually, one of my favorite reaction gifts is of him. Let me see. Where is it? Where is it? It's a very attractive man. My favorite gif is of all those different people throwing off their capes. Yeah, he. I have to say, his was the best. I was. I was going to give it to Frankenfurter, but yeah, <laughs> no. 
But no, it's no, I mean, I really, I mean, when I read, um, which has been a very long time ago, I was really under the impression that died, elves that died could not be reunited with the others of their kind in the Undying Lands. Oh, that they are forever separate. See, I forgot my own rule about no gifts. So they have to be reborn. Hmm. Like Glorfindel. Yeah. So if they're reborn, they can be reunited. That's interesting. I mean, it's been a long time since I read it, but that's just what I came away with. Yeah, they certainly picked the right actor for lots of drama. But yeah, Hobbit's a really good, I think a really good fandom to introduce Wings to, however you do it. Um, it'd be cute if ho- if if a lot of Hobbits have like little secret wings that nobody knows about. That's one of the things they don't tell anybody is that they've got little wings. <laughs> cute little wings. It's adorable. Like made of leaves or something. Like, like what if like Hobbit, Hobbits are born with wings and um, like, so Bilbo and, or um, and Thorin, you know, um, several years after the Battle of the Five Armies, um, Bilbo asks for a garden because he wants to, to plant a nursery. And Thorin's like, what do you mean? And so he explains yeah. how babies are made. <laughs> and Thorin's like, wait, <laughs> we can just plant babies? <laughs> how many can we plant? <laughs> I work in anybody else plant <laughs> I was working. I was working on something where um, they have that discussion. Except Thorin misunderstands what Bill was talking about, and he doesn't realize what Bill was up to until <laughs> until there's practically babies upon them. Um, and so Bill was like, "No, you can You cannot travel right now. That's when the. That's when your son's going to be born. What is the matter with you?" And he's like, "What? What do you mean? What are you talking about?" Well, what did you? Th- you planted the. You planted the acorn yourself. What is the matter with you? You can't leave. <laughs> what are you I thinking? got this. But wouldn't it be cute though if they like popped up out of the cradle with wings? Little flower <laughs> wings, yeah. And Thorne's like, um, <laughs> but, oh no, it's fine. Hobbits are born with wings. We put those away what later. What happened to your wings? Did somebody take your wings? <laughs> but well, where are your wings? Well, I didn't want to freak you out. <laughs> Dwalin, get my. Get your axe. We're going back to the Shire to get Bilbo's wings. <laughs> I had this. I had this weird idea the other day that, um, well, I guess it's not all that weird, but that Ents and Hobbits are actually very closely related, and that all Hobbits are planted from trees. So they have a very rapidly growing tree that grows over like a couple of years, and um, that they're instead of, instead of like some kind of plant like coming out of a melon or something, they always come out of a tree. And that sometimes the hobbit spirit, if they're buried with their tree, their spirit will return to the tree and they'll become an ant. Huh. That's pretty cool. In Small Magic, Harry tells the company that Bilbo has more in common with plants than he does humans or, or Dwaro. And that hobbits eat so much because they're not planted. So they can't get nutrients from the ground. They have to take in nutrients a whole lot. Or they have to have a certain amount of sun every day as well. You have to blame you have to blame uh Claire for my love of tree people. Um I mean it, it is Claire's fault. 
It is. But I really, I actually, it is kind of my head canon that they do have more in common with plants. I love stories where it talks about, that's why I love the Cabbage Patch Hobbits thing so much. It's because I really love the idea that they came from the earth, like truly. And I particularly like the trope like, right where, where they pop up out of the earth and they know their name and can have like rudimentary language skills. It's like, hello, my name is, you know, Angela. And you're like, hello, Angela. Welcome to the family. One of my favorites of that is Bilbo thought, um, I don't know if he thought Thorne was dead or if Thorne just wouldn't forgive him. So he comes home and he plants his garden and like the third or fourth, and there are like several kids, like the third or fourth baby that pops up introduces himself as Durin. Yeah, that's the first one I ever read. That's uh, the Good Earth series by the Fields Whale. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and they call him button or something. No, not button. What, what are they? They call him something else. Bobbin. They call him Bobbin. Right. Bobbin. So yeah, he's, in, he's introduced to Bobbin. What his actual name is. Yeah, and so when uh, when he's telling Thorn the kid's real name, and they find out, oh no, he popped out with that name on his own. I'm totally going to do that whole thing with you know Thorn and Bilbo have a kid that pops out and says he's Durin, but I want it to happen in front of the whole court, right? <laughs> Like, nobody believes that Bilbo's going to birth a dwarf out of this tree. And so they go, and a kid comes out of this tree and says that his name is Durin. I totally want to do that. <laughs> Let me get the series link for that to put in the link library. Someone um, got the... Lady Holder got the link to the first story, I think. Yeah, I just... I, went, I used it to go get the... Uh, <clears throat> to go get the series link. But you can't go wrong with the Fields Whale. No. Great stuff. I mean, although on the list of authors, I would like to pin down and ask, where did you get your, your, your pen name from? That's like really close to the top of the list. Um, what is that hilarious one in the Hannibal fandom that I'm like... Coquettish Murder Muffin? Yes. How did you get there? I, right. How did you get there? <laughs> please tell me how you got there. <laughs> and please join our server so that I can call you Murder Miss Murder Muffin. <laughs> I have. I don't know who this Coquish is. Murder Muffin. It's just I ran we across. Don't know. We just, I, I'm. Oh, I'm flipping through. I was flipping through stories, and the the person's name was Coquettish Murder Muffin, and I went. That is the best pen name ever. I actually named my new headphones Murder Muffin. Because <laughs> you know, like Bose has an app. Are they Bluetooth? And, yeah, like Bose has an app, right? And you can name your headphones, the device, right? And so it'll say like Murder Muffin is now connected to, you know, Jilly's iPod. So you ever like turn your device on in public and you go through your Bluetooth list and there's like a whole bunch of different things listed there that shouldn't be listed and you're like, so in the future, there's going to be some kind of little blip. Where her headphones show up on somebody's Bluetooth list. Uh-huh. It's Murder Muffin. Murder Muffin. Side story. <laughs> Edie's, the I first have a person who, Edie's the first person who noticed. <laughs> it helps that she's in the penalty box. Did anybody see the penalty box? I was... <laughs> <laughs> Start putting you people you actually in the corner. The corner. Okay, Edie, you can come out now. 
Yeah, because she's in the corner. When you go in the corner, your name goes red, and you go in the penalty box. If you if you click on the chat list, you'll well, you like you'll see her. She's in the penalty box. Um, I'm gonna but, let her out. Okay, so I have a hotspot on my phone, <laughs> and you can name your hotspot, right? Yeah. So I am in the middle of um, coffee shop, and their internet goes down. And I was in the middle of doing something really important, so I had to turn my hotspot on. And about 20 minutes passes, and the internet's still not back up. Instead of this is your fault, this dude stands up in the middle of the room, and there are about 25 people there. You'll see. He said, excuse me, excuse me, which one of you is running a hotspot called Porn Queen? Because you have the signal, and I really need to get on the internet. <laughs> did you answer? I hell yeah, I did I show I said, how much are you gonna pay me for it? He said I got twenty bucks. That's okay. <laughs> Porn Queen. I had named my hotspot Porn Queen, Jeep. Well, I thought maybe you're gonna tell me I, I mean that's better than what I thought. When you said it was Senna's fault, I thought you were gonna tell me your hotspot was named Cock Juggling Thunder Cunt. And I was like, man, <laughs> Oh, I'll have made him have to say that in public. It would have been fantastic. Yes. Who's, who's so, hotspot so, is Cock Juggling Thundercut? I need on it now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. For a while there, Senna called me Porn Queen all the time. It was like when I was riding ties at buying. Uh, and so, yeah. And when she was feeling lazy, she just called you PQ. Or when she was on her phone or yeah. whatever. So... But yeah, I had named my hotspot Porn Queen, and he, he, he called me out. Of course, he couldn't have been the only one who saw it. You know, he was just the only one who was really desperate enough to get on the internet that he was willing to stand up and ask. <laughs> I made a hundred bucks during that hour that their internet was down. <laughs> <laughs> Come use my unlimited uh, my unlimited data plan. I'm and give me money. I'm good with it. Yeah, y'all just play, paid my cell phone bill for the month. This was totally worth it. As Kira right? drives around and finds out where the hot where where the Wi Fi is down at coffee shops. <laughs> that was a man who desperately needed to send an email. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, so let's let's. Put some... I like the idea of Bilbo having wings, like unexpected wings. I think I would really like the idea of like flowers or or leaves, right? Like maybe they fade in. I like I the whole the whole. It's a trope. But you know, whatever that um, that they fade into like tattoos on the back or something. And what if his back is covered in mm -hmm. flower tattoos, and that's what his wings are? That's adorable. Petals. He has petals on his back. And yeah, really petals. Wings. Tulip petals. And I think he's just <laughs> mm. daisies. I'd have to. I'd have to look at our um, our our flower meaning thing or flower dictionary and pick something that was appropriately kind of snarky. <laughs> like some, like some hobbits have roses. Yeah. And maybe Others he's an oddball. have belladonna. <laughs> yeah. That could be it. If he like, he's got like foxglove all over his back and people are like, huh? But wouldn't it be interesting if he had oak leaves? Oh, that would be interesting. And like a little overlapping, and they're like, and they, and the, if they, the dwarves see it, they could be really astonished at the, at the, the, the detail in his tattoo work. 
Like it looks like overlapping mm-hmm. leaves. And Bilbo's like, yeah, they do overlap. <laughs> Otherwise Why they wouldn't not? be very useful. It's a it's it's a brilliant moment, right? When he realizes that they had no idea they were and that they don't have wings. Like maybe like the first time he sees one of the the Dwaro with a naked back, he's like, "What? <laughs> what happened to your wings?" Well, what if the first time he sees somebody like Dwalin who has like his war tattoos all over the place, and what if he does have tattoos, but Bilbo can't make sense of them? He's like, "How are?" They? And he kind of like goes up to Dwalin and goes, "I don't understand how that's functional." And <laughs> he's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, how do they? How do those squiggles work together to?" How does it work? I don't understand. They don't even connect. And he's like, what do you mean, how do they work? Work what? How do your wings, how do they work? I don't understand. You've got all these weird symbols. Those are, those, those, that's a rune. What do you mean wings? What wings? I don't have wings. Why don't you have wings? Does someone take your wings? And where are they? Can you get them back? Our healers are quite adept at reattaching wings. <laughs> we'll go Although get them. It's, although it's best not to have them out if you're in a precarious situation. Oh, that's hysterical, Queenie. Bilbo, Bilbo offers to murder someone but for taking damaging somebody's wing. wings in a wing culture would be. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. I've dropped down to okay. Now I'm green again, but I was red. But I would imagine that damaging somebody's wings in a wing culture would be an immense offense. Stealing them or taking or trying to hurt them or, or it, it would just be. Horrific. Yeah, he could a be a high crime. So I really like the idea of um, who said it. Somebody says up above, "Oh, Queenie offered Bilbo offering to murder someone, especially if it was over Dwalin's wings, right? Because he's the big badass, right? So he thinks someone's hurt Dwalin, and he's like, I will, I will hurt them for you. I will get your wings back.' <laughs> <laughs> he's like, although perhaps if you lie on the earth, they'll grow back." My grandmother makes an oil that's really good for wings. <laughs> Maybe it will help. And they'll go back where they belong on your back. <laughs> Instead of all over your face. Do you need to borrow my tree? <laughs> <laughs> when an upset hobbit so retreats in a tree. Like, Drawlin thinks that Bilbo's hitting on him and he's trying to figure out how to tell this how to tell this little dude no in a way that doesn't insult him. Or doesn't get him killed because Thorin's like looking at him like he's gonna cut his head off from the other side of the camp. Bilbo's patting Dwalin. It'll be okay. We'll get your wings back. It'll be fine. We'll figure this out. Oh, you could do a spin on. You know how that was, like not. It's not all babies are born with blue eyes. Most babies are born with blue eyes because I wasn't born with blue eyes, so I know it can't be all of them. Um, but so you could do a riff on that. Like all baby or all babies are born with like pink tulips for wings and they change as they get older they'll come into their own they're into their own they'll come into they'll they'll come into their own flower in time mm-hmm. but they're all born with um um yeah like babies born with blue eyes yeah so th- everybody's born with like pink tulips or something all babies are born with pink tulips and so like when his when his babies are first born they all pop out with little pink tulip wings that are just kind of sitting there fluttering and then they change whenever and it could be, I would, it would be charming if one of his, you know, if like, let's say, let's say his first kid was Durant, that his, uh, his, 
wings change from the pink tulips or whatever to um, oak leaves or something of that nature. Or maybe because they're not all hobbit, they come out with wings like like a raven. Oh, yeah. And Bilbo's like, I'm going to have to send my grandma a letter because <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know how to re- I don't know how to mend these. I can't just I just can't I can't just give them water and sunlight, Thorin. What am I supposed to do? I think I need to have a conversation with one of those giant eagles <laughs> about feathers. <laughs> I don't know what to do with feathers. You know, honestly, I think that because of the way um, Dwaro are so, like, you know, kind of enamored with children, that they would just be charmed. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, look at that baby with the wings. <laughs> These cute little flower wings. And everybody would want one. <laughs> well, I think that since it would be a half dwarf, it would not be surprising if the wings weren't flowers. True. Oh, those are pretty little leaf wings. Leaf-ish wings. Like one of the things that I did in both the Shield Maiden of, of Air the Shield Maiden of Erebor and Faeborn was that Bella was born with um mithril covering her her wings. Um and that protective layer fell off um due to magical upheaval. Um but it could be that uh, a half dwaro baby could be born with what if they had gemstone wings, wings of that nature? Yeah, what if it was like gemstone wings? It looked like maybe like stained glass. And because it's not truly gemstones, well, it'd be they could be like very thin, very strong, but look like they were like rubies and emeralds and sapphires and stuff. Yeah, kind of like gossamer. Yeah, but Bill could be all huffy, like so, I see they take after you, and Thor could be like, I-, "I don't have any wings. <laughs> How could that possibly be my fault?" Well, my wings are proper. <laughs> I have proper wings. I was born with tulips, like everybody else in the Shire. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, like that. That'd be really cute. No, they had to be really flexible, though. They had to be like you know, not hard, but um, flexible, strong but flexible. I don't know where I would stick wings in Harry Potter. I mean, I think I would have to write a complete AU. Um, yeah, it would definitely have to be a. I think I agree an AU, unless you had like something happen, like some sort of magical cleansing or something that like activated everybody's. Fey blood, whatever they had. And so, like, all of a sudden, people wake up with wings or something. Some people might wake up with hooves. I don't know. <laughs> there is a scene in Harry Potter where um, he reveals to Minerva that he's figured out how to push his wings out and just his wings. So, there is a scene where he is um, in human form, but he has dragon wings. Earlier, you talked about him being in the crib. Um, with wings and I have seen a fic where I'm not sure if I I'm not sure if I saw it or I plotted it but what if Harry Potter's animagus form was a phoenix 
And that's why he survived the killing curse. So he shifted into a phoenix and got hit by the killing curse. And by the time anybody found him, he had already shifted back into his baby form. But what if the shift didn't complete because he's a baby and could out his wings? He still has phoenix wings. So he's still sitting there with little wings. I mean, Dumbledore isn't going to be able to drop that kid off on the doorstep. <laughs> no. And they can't make them go back in. They can't do a damn thing to him because of phoenix magic. Um, they can't make the wings go back in. So that he has to. I think that that would be such a startling moment for Sirius Black. That whatever he had else going on in his brain would get knocked out. It's like. <laughs> you, got, you got wings, baby. <laughs> what if Harry was a. I'm never quite certain about the pronunciation of this. Metamorph, magus, magus, whatever. What if he's a metamorph? We'll call it, we'll just go with metamorph. What if he's a metamorph and he, one of the first stories his mother tells him when he kind of can kind of decipher the pictures, maybe around 12 to 14 months or so, is a fairy story. He sees like little kids in the pictures, moving pictures that have wings, and he decides he's a fairy. And he gives himself wings and they can't get him to put them away. <laughs> Because he's a fairy, and he's decided that he's a fairy. <laughs> Not like an annoying fairy, but, you know. He's having none of it. <laughs> Harry, you have to put your wings away. No, I, those are my wings. <laughs> yes, and definitely pointy ears. And like, Harry, you need to look like a little boy. No, I'm a little fairy. <laughs> <laughs> He definitely, they're not going to be able to put him, they're not going to, Dumbledore is not going to be able to put him anywhere looking like that either. Although I think he would try to probably su suppress that magical gift if that were the case. But Harry could have a... I think a that honestly, that Harry Potter probably does have some limited version of that gift anyway. <laughs> because he had the ability to grow his hair back pretty much instantly from when his aunt um, cut yeah. it. Yeah, that that you could say that's wish magic, but I think it's more likely that he is some kind of metamorph. He has some kind of limited ability. It came up once in a story I read once where um, Harry admitted that he hadn't had a haircut like since he was eight, <laughs> and his hair stays just the way the way he's, he's decided it's going to look. Yeah, that he, that he's unconsciously controlling it. I think it'd just be adorable if little Harry would have wings. I mean, sad, because he's sitting there in his crib crying with little wings, but, you know, probably droopy wings at that point. But it'd be very charming. Little Harry with wings. And then you'd have a whole question of, well, who's going to raise him? Because he's not going to be raised in the muggle world with wings. That just isn't going to fly. Total pun intended. <laughs> well, it's just a thing. It depends on what kind of Dumbledore you're working with. If you're working with a really fucked up asshole Dumbledore, there's no telling what he would do to Harry Potter to get those wings to hide. Um, but if it's like a reasonable Dumbledore, I think that's a Dumbledore that might actually pay attention to Sirius Black a little bit um, and think to himself that he has the best ability to control what happens to Harry Potter if he can control Sirius Black and he can manipulate him. You just remember that Sirius Black is just 21 years old. Yeah. So young. I mean, he dies before he's even 40. 
I mean, that'd be an interesting story to write a series who's startled by. I like that with, with the Phoenix idea where, you know, Harry's kind of stuck between, maybe because of the trauma of the killing curse, he's stuck between forms and they can't. And as you said, Sirius is so startled, he doesn't go after um, Peter. He has Harry and like Hagrid shows up to get Harry and Sirius is like, are you kidding? You can't do anything with a winged baby. I'm taking him. And he just apparates away to go get Harry some help. And then, I mean, just all it takes is Sirius leaving right then um, to kind of thwart Dumbledore's plan. At the entirely. most, at that point, the point, it's them saying that he was the secret keeper, which he can, you know, a thorough questioning would solve that problem. But I don't even think being a bad secret keeper is against the law. I mean, he could probably be charged with an accessory to murder. But I think failing to be a good secret keeper probably isn't explicitly against the law. Yeah, that's true. Revealing, I mean, unless you took, I think, I think all the penalty could be is if you took a magical oath not to reveal it, and then you did. But clearly, that wasn't the case. Otherwise, Peter would have lost his magic. And the fact of the matter is, is that um, the person being the secret keeper should willingly give an oath on their life and magic not to reveal the secret. Right, unless they're given permission. So, and if they're if they're not willing to do that, then they're not willing to be your secret keeper. But it's a dumb, actually, it's a super dumb, um, spell, anyways. Yeah, there's so many plot holes in that spell. It's ridiculous. Well, consorting with unsavory characters, you if it, if it reaches the level of conspiracy, it absolutely is a crime. And a lot of the Death Eater activities could be uh, could fall under conspiracy conspiracy to keep um, um, um to commit mass murder in some cases and it also depends and, on how you interpret the laws ahead. of magical britain because i've seen stories where just being in the company of a known death eater could have gotten you put in jail um i, I feel like that's not and the fact is, out. is that peter Pettigrew is an accessory to the murder of james and lily potter he is complicit yes. in their murders well, and he was clearly there because he took the wand. He got there before he, anybody else did because he took the wand. So it wasn't like he just gave the secret and left. He was there. But even just giving the secret is enough. Yeah. Because he knew that that's what Tom Riddle would do. I mean, it's actually premeditated murder. God, he's a real asshole. <laughs> it's just like... Who is? Peter. It's just... <laughs> what a terrible person. So who else gets wings? I read a really good fic once where um, Rodney got wings. Um, there was some kind of ancient experiment gone wrong um, of the week. Uh, and um, it was like, it was a work. Uh, it's a little harsh because um, he encounters an alien species who thinks his wings are an abomination and the wings get cut off. Um, against his will, um, but he grew up, but he starts to grow them back. Um, but it was uh, it's a very good fic, very good. Um, but I, I've only read it once because it tore my heart out. I remember one scene in in particular that um, Lorne asked McKay if he could paint him, and. He has him posed in this room, kind of like laying across this ottoman with his wings out. Um, and just really, really effective imagery. 
That sounds like getting John jealous material. He was actually jealous for a lot of reasons. Um, he was so jealous of the wings. <laughs> that scene in Maleficent was a fucking nightmare. It was, yeah. Um, I read a really good fic where Will Graham is an angel and Hannibal's the devil. And Hannibal doesn't have his... No, Will doesn't... Will's a fallen angel. He doesn't have his wings anymore. Um, and Hannibal still has his wings. Uh, and what happens in that story is it's just stunning. I was I almost spoil it, but it was just really great. I, mean, I don't remember the name of it anyway, so I don't know why I'm talking about it. <laughs> Willow. <laughs> Surely somebody will remember. Actually, there is an episode um, in Stargate Atlantis where I think it could be the Sunday episode where Evan Lauren actually is an artist. That's not Fanon. He was painting on Sunday, I think. So it's a lot easier to get wings into like a sci-fi fandom, especially where there are um, ancient devices type things to make wings a possibility. Unless you're doing like a full-on AU, like a Fey AU, or you know, just a mutant AU. I like the idea of um, a mutant AU. Um, it just gets complicated. Yeah, very. Keeping track of mutations and you know the social politics, and um, it's just it's it's really hard to keep up with all of it. Kind of like reason why I would not write a, a, a his dark materials crossover, y'all. <laughs> I can't, I can't keep track of people and their demons. You're literally doubling your cast, and that's crazy cakes. Yeah, especially because they all are going to have their own personality, and it's like, oh. Because you just can't assign your same personality to the, the demon that you have for your character. Because that's not accurate. They are together, but distinct. Right, demons can talk. So, I mean, even when it comes to, like, spirit animals and sentinels and guides, I often don't mention spirit animals much because it's a lot of work to keep track of them. I need to have a specific reason for a spirit animal to be in a scene for me to use it. It just can't be decoration, scene decoration, because it just gets out of hand. Yeah, because they're just keeping it, keeping up with it all is just crazy. It's so difficult. I mean, I actually, I've written whole Sentinel stories where I forgot to, to put the spirit animals back in. I was like, they were there, but then I just completely forgot about them. Because I have stories where the spirit animals are very important. And then stories where they're not very important. And when they're not important, I tend to just forget about them completely. Which is... I think one of the only stories I've ever written where they were really integral to the entire story was The Subtle Body. Very, but in that, yeah, in that case, very integral. Because you just... <laughs> yeah. They were there in every scene. At least one of them. Right. Because they were... Um, they were doing... They were they were at war, and <laughs> they didn't know it. Someone um, hit me on that fic recently and said that they didn't think it was a true um, um, Lady Hawk AU. And I'm like, did you want me to stick Steve and Tony in some some medieval landscape and put Tony in a dress? 
Yeah, if you want to see that, there's actually a movie starring Michelle Pfeiffer that you could watch. What would they consider a a, a true? Do I want to know? I probably don't want to know. I think they probably see. Here's the thing about Lady Hawk. It is actually one deeply romantic movie. Yeah, and the subtle body is not romantic. Because I had to pull it out. Because the thing is, and this is why I'll never do another urban fantasy challenge again, personally. Um, Because I am not an urban fantasy writer. I could have written a paranormal, I could have written the hell out of a paranormal romance. But that wasn't the challenge. And so... I had to pull out all the romantic elements out of Lady Hawk and create a situation where they could be cursed in this way that would make sense in a modern Sentinel AU. Um, but it couldn't be a romance because then it wouldn't be urban fantasy. You can have romance and love in urban fantasy, but it cannot be integral to your plot because that's a paranormal romance. In an urban fantasy, you have to be able to pull the romance out and still have a complete story. And if you can't, you've actually written paranormal romance, and you just think you're writing, <laughs> you just think you're writing urban fantasy. And so, in order to meet the challenge, I th- I, th- I took the romance out of it because I didn't. I, I knew that if I didn't, I would not meet the challenge. Because we had talked, yeah, we had talked about. Um you know, giving you a romantic plot line that wasn't integral to the story. And you're like, well, why would I write a romantic plot line that wasn't integral to the story? <laughs> you're thinking like a romance writer. But I couldn't write. I, 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 I am I a romance writer. Right. I didn't put anything any I didn't have a romance plot in mind. I had a sex plot in mind, but there wasn't a romance plot. <laughs> there was somebody's gonna be getting banged somebody's gonna get banged, but there wasn't gonna be any romance. And it wasn't gonna be integral, it was just gonna be incidentally we're getting laid. Yes, Desert, that is exactly it. And I had it opposite. Will is the devil and Hannibal is a fallen angel is an angel on earth. And it's called Knowing Exactly What You Are Is Not for the Faint of Heart by Higher Magic. Also a great pen name. Um and we'll put that in the um link library for you guys. It is actually um a very good fic, but um mind the warnings. And be be prepared for some gore near the end, but but there is a happy ending. Always mind the warnings on a Hannibal story. <laughs> yeah, so seriously, yes, yeah, seriously, mind the mind the warnings. Always look at the tags on a Hannibal story. Don't ever not do that. <laughs> and if it says dead dove, you don't need to know eat. what you're getting before you get there. And if they say dead dove, don't eat. They mean it. Don't 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 read that. I mean, <laughs> uh, unless she went over there looking for dead doves, don't. Don't get in it. The worst thing I've read in Hannibal, the worst thing I read in Hannibal, I would never wreck to anybody. In fact, I stopped Jilly from finishing it. Because we were reading it kind of, I was a little bit ahead of her. And she went to bed. And I finished it. And told her not to. And told her not to. Um, and, I, and I didn't. Because she told me why not to finish it. And I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> it had been going fine up to, up, you know, to the point that I had read. It was going great. And then I was like, yeah, I woke up. When I woke up and saw the messages, I was like, Ugh. "Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars." Um, it wasn't a matter of quality of writing because no. the author's writing was on point. 
Um, it was a. Uh, uh, the horrifying ending became a matter of characterization. It just didn't. It made it made you hate the characters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and also, also, it just seems like it was too rude for Hannibal to have done. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was way too rude. <laughs> Hannibal would never. Uh, no not anything that would have prepared you for what happened no I mean I'm not sure how you could be prepared for that I mean even if you said um, sadism in the in the in the I don't think that would be enough no I, I don't know how you warn for that actually without just be explicit about what you're doing I'm going to mute myself and type a little something in this chat so keep, so keep talking okay um so let's see. So we've got uh, wing fic and things that are fantasy pretty easy. I would love to write a Hobbit wing fic. That'd be so cute. Um, you could do a complete AU with Harry Potter. It's easier with science fiction. Um, I kind of like the idea of like mysterious wings, like wings just start cropping up and they don't know why. And it could be anything from um, something has caused like people's you know, way, way back, um, way, way back, like fey ancestry or something, or it could be like an ancient device. Um, maybe they were experimenting with, um, maybe they were experimenting with wings. Some, one of their ascension experiments resulted in wings. Maybe that's where the mythology about angels came from. Please don't anybody send me hate mail over that comment. Um, <laughs> We don't want to hear from you. So what if, what if, um, what if you had like a situation of like, and you could then, because it's Stargate and Stargate's a big secret, you could um, have, like, let's say that the first time they really activate the control chair to defend the earth, that it um, like turns on something in people, people who have the gene, it turns on their some sort of ancestry, probably a little bit similar to what you did with um, Sentinels of Atlantis, but instead it, it, some for some people they start sprouting wings. I mean, you say sprouting wings like beautiful, but I think the actual act of sprouting wings would be horrific. True, true. And I've read some stories that are very graphic about the horror of, of having wings. But it could be, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't do the whole like I've read stories where like the wings suddenly burst from the back and like there's blood everywhere. It's like, oh my God. Um but you could do kind of um, um, like they actually are growing, like they they grow the bones first, and you, you know they get that would be much more reasonable than just you know your entire back suddenly just rips open and wings pop out all bloody and gross that hang down to the floor. <laughs> Talking to you, supernatural fandom. <laughs> I rather not. Sh now the thing is, is um, about about that thick and Hannibal. Um, I'm not bashing the author. Um, I just don't think it was warned appropriately. Um, and uh, you expect a certain level of sadism in Hannibal. And you expect a certain level of gore in Hannibal. Read it. But, Over the top. I read a Hannibal fic once where where Hannibal took Will to a forest so he could hunt people. Okay? That's the level of shit that I've read in Hannibal and enjoyed. And 
but it's not like I mean the the writing was fine. I just was it was not uh, the the warnings were not on point as far as I'm concerned, and it was just a little, a little harsh. You gotta see what their um their what their harshest warning was for that. I'm pretty sure it, it wasn't enough. <laughs> just just wasn't enough. But no, I'm not trying to bash the author. I'm not because I don't do that. Um, but I just think if if you're going to write something um, really, really, um, the thing is, is Hannibal Cannon can be horrific. But when you exceed the limits, when you exceed the limits of Cannon, as far as like the amount of horror and gore in your story, you should warn for it. Actually, it has a no archive warnings apply, so it's not even <laughs> it's not even warning for graphic violence. So this is the most this this is the only warning it has that tells you reasonably explicit torture. Um, there's nothing reasonable about it. That's the only warning that might give you a clue about what's going on. I don't actually know what was worse: the explicit nature of the torture or the fact that. It appeared to be sexually arousing, arousing too. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. I told you you didn't need to read it. <laughs> I don't. I don't warn somebody sick just out of the blue. And, and she wouldn't have warned me off. I was already like over halfway through it, so you know, if warning somebody off of a fic they're already reading and enjoying is like that means it's serious. Don't go there. The thing is, is I was thinking to myself, number one, I don't want you to be traumatized. And number two, I don't want you to nope out of the fandom because I'm looking forward to what you're writing. Right. <laughs> and I do think it was that level of what the fuck that you could have like been put off the fandom for months. And that happens. Although I like think I... that you have enough. I think that you would have stopped reading before I did. Yeah. Yeah, I well, I, I there are a couple stories I hit the wall, and there's some, there's actually some that have been recommended to me over and over and over again that leave me just feeling there's not anything worse in them than in any other story I've read, but they leave me feeling so yucky that it makes me want to leave the whole fandom alone. It's like, oh my god, I feel gross. It, it's just, it's something about the tone of it that just feels so like the, the relationship feels more gaslighted than it does. Even I mean, Hannibal's manipulative. There's no doubt about that. But when I feel like there's more gaslighting going on, um, and almost brainwashing than actual, yeah, you know, it gets, seduction. It, it, it crosses the line. Yeah, I, I mean, and I have maybe that line is a little finer in the Hannibal fandom than it is in most fandoms. But because in most fandoms, it's not much of a it, the line is not fine. It's like it's like put down with one of those giant sharpies. Um, but in Hannibal, the, the line between abuse and um okay um the line between abuse and 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 just like yeah. Hannibal, Hannibal being Hannibal is a little bit thin potentially what I would say is that I expect Hannibal to be manipulative and kind of an asshole um I actually like the asshole part it's just who I am um but what I don't like to see in the fic is for him to be written like he's a sexual sadist. Yeah, sexual sadism is just no. Mm -mm. And um, sadism and a serial killer—that's a big note for me. 
I like my sexual sadism to be over here in the BDSM in the consent area. <laughs> right? Not, Not in the murder area. <laughs> and the thing is, is I don't think Hannibal's actually a sexual sadist. And so it's like, it's really just terrible characterization. Yeah. I would not even say he's a sadist. He's a manipulative asshole, yes. But a sadist? Well, some of his kills make me think that there's definitely a sadism element there. I mean, it's not not present maybe in every kill. But, you know, I don't want to get too explicit with some of the stuff that happened in canon. Because, you know, it's not that kind of podcast. But... <laughs> um, there's some stuff in canon that was like, it's hard to think that why, why he would have done it that way if it wasn't the sadism element. I mean, it could have been just an apathy element, a curiosity, but that kind of still comes back a little bit to sadism. I think it well, in some situations, revenge. And I think you can torture somebody to death and not and, and do it and not actually enjoy it in a sadistic way. Well, true. 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 Somebody said artistic but, um, in it. It is not sexual. I agree. I agree. There's definitely no sexual component, um, but there's definitely something he he doesn't mind hurting people. That's for sure. I think it might also boil down to he just doesn't care if people hurt. That's true. It's like apathy. You know. Yeah. This is the most convenient way for me to kill you is to keep you alive through all of this. So. Um, but the other side of it is, is if he doesn't care if they hurt or not, then it's not sadism, because a sadist wants you to hurt. That's true. So it's not, you know. So if you go with the idea that he's just apathetic to other people's pain. Anyway. Um, but again, you know, I think fandom goes too far sometimes. Fandom just goes a little bit too far. But I, I think that's true across the board when it comes to all fandoms that, you know, that um, a trope or a popular concept repeatedly. It gets, it gets, people just... People try to do something new, you know, which of course we all do. We want to do the next thing with that idea. We want to take that trope and to put our own spin on it. But it's like some people just go a little too far sometimes. They go a little too far. It's more like I was reading. Yeah, and you look at it and you're like, how'd they get there? But if you look at the progression in fandom, it's really easy to see how they got there. Yeah, you can you can definitely see how they went there through the do you attribute that to inconsistency of the canon writers? It, I think it depends upon the fandom. I wouldn't say like in NCIS Hannibal, is deeply inconsistent. Yeah, it's like Teen Wolf, um, NCIS, Teen Wolf. Um, <laughs> even Star, even Stargate. Yeah, even Stargate to a degree mm -hmm. has a lot, but I didn't find a lot of inconsistencies in Hannibal. So it's people just taking something and going to like, and it, sometimes it's just a small thing, like even like a little characterization thing. So like, I've been reading a lot of Hobbit lately, and um, one of the things, like in, 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 I believe in canon, Bilbo refers to himself as the simple hobbit quite frequently, right? Well, you see that kind of morph. It's like people are saying something close to that, but all of a sudden it goes from being close to simple hobbit to a few stories later, it's he's a useless hobbit. And it's like, really? What is wrong with Bilbo? <laughs> what is wrong with his self-esteem? He's constantly referring to himself as being just a useless hobbit. It's so out of character that I couldn't keep reading it. And it's weird because Bilbo Baggins is actually like in the upper class part of the Hobbits. He's a landowner. Right. And so, and then he has employees. So he's not. And the perception is that 
he perceives being a hobbit to be less than being a dwarf. And I didn't ever get that perception in canon from canon or from most fan fiction. And yet it's just words evolve. People think they're saying something similar to what's been said before, but you know, nuance is important. And there's a big difference between saying you're a simple hobbit, which could have a lot of different interpretations and saying you're just a useless hobbit. And it, it becomes a, a matter of Bilbo's characterization that, because he, he didn't really have self-esteem issues in the books. No, mostly he had issues about his buttons. Yeah. Which, you know, and it's handkerchief. expensive. <laughs> I get it. But when he said he was just a simple hobbit, I always interpreted that to be that he liked simple things and he liked the comfort of his home and he liked a good food and he didn't need a lot of, you know, he didn't need mountains and gems and that kind of thing. So, uh, but how you interpret simple can be, you know, whatever. Um, but you all see the trope a lot of, you know, Bilbo not being worthy of Thorin and Bilbo's own mind. And it's like, um, really? He may not have aspired to be a king's consort, but that's completely different to thinking he's not worthy. And it becomes an issue of the characterization. It's like, could he be any more pathetic? Perhaps. The only thing I dislike more than Bilbo kind of referring to himself as useless or um, not worthy of Thorin or anything like that. Not worthy of Thorin, considering what a dick in canon that Thorin was. I um, mean, you know, honestly... Bilbo Baggins could do better. Yes, he could. But the only thing I dislike more is reading a story where Bilbo blames himself for everything. It's like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus, take the wheel and get me off of this story. <laughs> I think that I would like to see a story where Bilbo's like, you know, I don't actually want the responsibility <laughs> of being your spouse just to let you know. I don't actually want this. I'm going to tolerate it for you, but I don't want it. I'm not going to be nice about it. Just so you know. I mean, you're very pretty, so I'm willing to put up with all these other dwarves <laughs> and their bizarre posturing. <laughs> He's 100% done with your shit before you even get to Erebor. <laughs> It's like there's a dude standing <laughs> standing in the middle of the of the mountain pass telling every Doro that passes by, um, the king married this hobbit. Don't cross him. He's an asshole and he already doesn't like you. <laughs> he hasn't even met you and he doesn't like you. <laughs> I am so done with you today. He just walks <laughs> He walks into the council chambers with his murder muffin face on, and they're all like, oh, I dear. Do. It's not my fault. Whatever it is, I didn't do it. What'd you do, Thorin? <laughs> Why is he mad now? <laughs> murder muffin face. Bilbo, I could call the whole series that Bilbo and his murder muffin face. <laughs> There has to be a different term for it. Like, what, what, like, a terms for, like, you couldn't say resting bitch face, but they could have, like, resting grumpy face. And somebody goes, like, Bur Bilbo just kind of leveled up on that. He's got resting murder face. <laughs> I think Faggins in Canada has resting murder face. 
But when you do, anytime you do these things with these characters, just sometimes the subtlest little nuance and the language that's chosen or the way they react to things can totally throw their characterization way, 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 way off, way off. In a way that's like, you know, my suspension of disbelief has just leapt off the Golden Gate Bridge and died. <laughs> and it can be really off-putting. It can be really off-putting. I actually can't get, unless unless a dwarf is saying it, in which case I hope Thorin cuts their head off in short order. But I can't get past the phrase, just a useless hobbit. I can't get past it. It's just, it's an instant close for me every time. Because I don't know terrible. how simple and useless became simon. Synonyms coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Synonyms. How is it? How did that happen? Well, I mean, there's there's probably know. there's probably a a, a journey through thesaurus com that took us, <laughs> you know, through variety of words that eventually went from simple to useless. But <laughs> seven degrees of separation. <laughs> How many words did you have to look up to get from there to there? I don't know. But it's kind of like, you know. Like 100. It's like, but in thick, it can be like five degrees of separation, right? Like one person calls a simple hobbit and somebody else says a lowly hobbit. And then you start. You I start, don't know which I find more offensive, lowly or useless. I find useless worse than lowly. But lowly's not great either. But you can no, see how both terrible. Somebody's trying to find a different way of saying simple hobbit, right? They're trying to go, oh, well, let's call him a lowly hobbit. He's not noble, whatever. Forgetting that Bilbo is, you know, was the grandson of the Thane of the Shire and all of this stuff, and he's fairly wealthy by hobbity standards. And but whatever, he's a lowly hobbit. And then the next thing you know, a few fix later, somebody's calling him a useless hobbit. It's like, y'all, that was not Bilbo. That's actually part of the issue, is because. But Thorin perceived him as being useless, and that was the, the practically the crux of their issues all along. Honestly, I think things would have gone a lot better for Bilbo Baggins if he just let the trolls eat a couple of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least take a bite, because <laughs> they can all use a little bit of humility. <laughs> In my Faeborn AU. Um, they get captured by trolls while she's asleep. And she comes over and she, she decides she's going to rescue them. She's not happy about it. And after she distracts the trolls long enough for um, Gandalf to show up and, you know, let the dawn take them, she sits down on, the, on this big boulder that she's on. She says, I don't know what I did to deserve you. <laughs> <laughs> They're all sitting there naked in sacks. I don't know what I did. <laughs> and Thorin tries to complain. And she says, well, at least you're pretty. <laughs> like, like he's dumb. For oh, but at least he's pretty. Look, well, I have to save you, your naked butt. At least it's a fine butt. <laughs> at least you're pretty. And Thorin turns to Dwalin and says, it's really hard to have any kind of dignity when you're naked in a burlap sack. And Nori comes along and dumps their clothes in front of them and says, at least you got your looks, apparently. <laughs> well, because the, the, uh, the other dwarves don't consider him attractive, right? Right. <laughs> honestly, I think that's because of his personality, not his beard situation. Because honestly, Thorin is kind of a drag. 
<laughs> he might be pretty, but he's moody. <laughs> you, you know, you would be attractive, but you had terrible personality. <laughs> you got a personality deficiency. What's that line from that stupid movie? <laughs> Something wrong with your Abdullah Ablangada. A stupid Adam Sandler movie. Waterboy. Which one? Waterboy. And I don't know why that line just popped into my brain. I don't know. I can't I really it. don't know either. I've never even seen all that movie. I haven't either. Uh, I And I try not to ever let lines from Adam Sandler movies pop into my head. And if it does happen, <laughs> I need to go immediately find brain bleach. He is broody and moody and ill-tempered. And, you know, honestly, his looks are his saving grace. At least in the movies. In the books, nothing saves him. In the book. The book. Yeah, in the book, he was terrible. He was terrible. I don't even remember being upset about his death in the book. Uh, I mean, I was... <sighs> I was upset because Bilbo was upset. I think I was upset because I felt like it was a little bit of like, really, we went through all that, so he gave his kingdom back and he's just dead? Whatever. Yeah. You, know, you know. But I was a teenager. Bullshit. You know, I was a teenager, so my perspective on things is a little bit different than what they might have been later in life. I don't think I ever I mean, read the book. I, again after. I read it. I really wasn't I was I was not the audience for a morality tale. Uh <laughs> if that's what you want to call that. Like ever. No, I never was. <laughs> and then we have um was it um i read something recently where it, it was like i swear about 50 percent of the dialogue was from the movie straight from it movie transcripts yeah i was a little huffy about that much recycled material i mean you know i've got all three movies on voodoo if, if i want to see them i'll just go watch them i don't need you to tell me you know i don't need I don't need to read the transcript in the middle of your fic. That, that you're not a cow. Stop chewing stuff and spitting it back out. <laughs> exactly. You're not. You're not a fit cow. Stop it. It's just really annoying. Because we've all read that fic in Harry Potter. That's practically just the Philosopher's Stone retold from somebody else's point of view. I mean, literally, it's the same damn story. Or sometimes, or, not, even, not even somebody else's point of view. It's just all you're getting is additional thoughts and feelings behind the thing, right? It's it's the book, but with with more of Harry's thoughts about things. It's like, um, okay. I have never ever used a sorting hat song in my fic. I would only ever use a sorting hat a song if that sorting hat had been like cursed and was like you know t using spitting out drunken drinking songs or something. Raunchy drinking songs and everybody's horrified because he's doing this in front of first years. <laughs> but then I'd have to Come write a, but then I'd have to write a raunchy drinking song and I just don't want to. <laughs> I think that's the kind of thing you farm out. Like you just go over here to one of the chat rooms and say, hey, can you guys write me a raunchy um pirate song to, for the starting hat to sing? Because you you know there's a couple assholes on this forum that will totally do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> put, a little, put a little note, author note. I never read Raunchy Pirate song written by. Right. <laughs> Senna is that asshole. 
<laughs> I don't. The thing is, I don't care if I don't care if there's some deep clue about what's coming up in the story in the Sorting Hat song. I never read them. I don't read school schedules, and I tend to skim skim over Harry buying his pants. <laughs> so Margaret and Senna are my raunchy pirate song drinking song. Go to people. So we've drifted very That's far away. Spelling. There's nothing wrong with being an asshole. <laughs> There's a lot oh, wrong. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. <laughs> I retract my prior statement. Okay. <laughs> Everything is wrong with it. <laughs> Eli's too emo for a raunchy drinking song. He'd need a maudlin drinking song. (laughs) (laughs) If I were inclined to write my unicorn with wings, how would I go about it? Well, I already did. It's called The Air the Angels Breathe. (laughs) Oh. Oh, Tony. Um, How would I write Tony? Well... I pro- my first the first thing I would go to was the thing I had plotted for that uh, um, urban fantasy challenge, which was that he was actually Fay, um, and he was living in disguise in this realm, and for whatever reason, what he chose to do was work at NCIS. Always the weak point in that plot is why someone in disguise and a Faye in disguise would choose to be, go to work for Naval Criminal Investigative Services. But, you know, whatever. It didn't have to make complete sense. I have an idea. Hit me with it. What if he was, what if he was originally there because of Tom Morrow? Because Tom Morrow was Faye as well. Okay. And he stayed because Tom Morrow asked him to when Tom Morrow went to Homeland because Jenny Shepard is a problem. And they don't know what kind of problem yet. She could be a problem for the Fae or she could just be a human problem in, in general. Um, and so he came to NCIS and let and let Gibbs recruit him because Morrow um, arranged for him to even, for Gibbs to even go to Baltimore to run across Tony. It's all set up. And that Tom Morrow is maybe like pretty high up in the fake court. Yeah, that could work. That could definitely work. I like the idea of writing him as being like something else entirely. That he's just Tony to knows as a cover. That he's really somebody else completely. Um but he'd have to only be doing that, like, you know, literally on the job. Um because undercover twenty four seven is exhausting. But he, but on the other hand, you could write, you could hand wave some of that away with him being Faye. Um, but the other idea, I just popped this top, just popped into my head. What if, um, like Patrick, you know, finally dealt with the idea that Atlantis is relatively safe, and Alex is going to go visit his brother on Atlantis, and Alex runs into um, some off-world thing that gives him wings. <laughs> then they're like, "Well, he can't come home." Why not? Well, we're going to bring him to the SGC, but he's not going to be able to leave the mountain. <laughs> we haven't quite figured out how to even handle shirts yet. So, you know, Patrick could lose his shit. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think at that point, it would just be better just to invite Patrick to the city. How would you like to come live on Atlantis? 
because Alex is stuck here again. How, we're still working. We're still working on shirts. How would you like to have Elizabeth's job? <laughs> Elizabeth, we were allowed to come back to Earth, sort of, and her job is open. <laughs> we were thinking maybe that you'd like to do it for a while. You know, Little League Seer team is already kind of cracky. If I ever got far enough that they actually got to Atlantis, they could get wings when they get there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed. I'm really <laughs> honestly looking forward to Little League Seer team. Um, I'm in the, I'm presently in the um, finding out about your kidnapped brother blues, which is like, you know, the world is dying. You know, it was like wraith invasion kind of hell. So it's funny because like the first episode is like really kind of angsty. And then the rest of it's ridiculous. <laughs> Dad. Dad, we, we need this we invitation wanna... to go to seal. To, to, we, we worked hard for this invitation. <laughs> you have to let us go. Dad, we need we need somebody to help teach us shoot, how to shoot a gun. You're like eight, ten, and twelve. What is the matter with you? I'm not teaching you how to shoot a gun. <laughs> it's not what's the matter with us. It's what's the matter with the world. <laughs> it is dangerous yeah, when, out there. When they when they finally make it to Atlantis, because um, they're going to have all kinds of information about how to like do get, you know get access to stuff, and that could be what happens when they get the city fully powered. Is that, you know, part of the her heritage they come in with? Oh yeah, it's we plotted. We talked about Little League Seer Team. I don't remember at all what podcast we talked about that. Or was it after podcast? It was probably both. <laughs> yeah, it could be. But it's definitely there's definitely a podcast about it. <laughs> Maybe. Well, no, because it's archived on Castbox, Senna, so it has to I be out there somewhere. I just don't remember which one it was. Yeah, the idea basically was that um, the wraith actually do manage to hit to Earth, and that the ancients realize that you know they've now basically by not dealing with the wraith that they have basically seen to the destruction of the universe, and um, they know their only chance is to. They have a backup plan, and you know, they have well, actually have two backup plans, but one of them is pretty drastic. And the less drastic plan is to send the shepherds their, their consciousness back in time, but they need all four of them, which means Alex, who doesn't know that he's Alex, right before he's the first one that was going to die, right? So he's like literally got a wraith feeding hand on him when they forcibly ascend him and explain to him what's going on, and then they ascend the rest of them and. Are you guys willing to go back in time and prevent this catastrophe? And they're all like, well, yeah, duh. I mean, like, duh. Of course we are. Duh. So they go back to um, when Alex and Matt are eight and David's 10. And, and I think I think I had I had David 10 and, and John John 11 or 12. Yeah. And Rod, Rodney, Rodney and Jack are the ones who went. It was Rodney, Jack, and then the four brothers who were the ones who went back. Yep. That's the one, Edie. Yeah, and there's this whole thing where they keep trying to kidnap a kid from Canada. Yes, they keep trying to keep trying to kidnap this kid from Canada. But they immediately start playing war games in the backyard, and Patrick cannot figure out what's wrong with his sons because I feel like there should be like a whole thing with super soakers involved. There really should be. It may have been the fluffy haired <laughs> idiot podcast, actually. 
whatever yeah. podcast we did the whole fluffy haired idiot thing. It wasn't fate takes pity, was it? It's possible. I could see how. I mean, we were a little maybe angelic. That actually, that actually makes a lot of sense that it might be fandom and junk, contemporary fandoms and time travel because it is not the easiest thing to put time travel realistically into contemporary yeah. fandom. That could have been you it. Have it would have been towards on the, the side because you know, yeah, like have the Stargate be the big secret or something, where you've got ascended beings who can fling your consciousness back in time. Yeah, that's probably it, Senna. Contemporary fans yeah. and time travel. But yeah, it was an utterly cracky idea about their their instant plans. They're going to train their their little eight, eight, ten, and twelve year old bodies. They are going to train and they are going to be Navy SEALs. And they want to go be on they want to go to Seer Island and they want to do SEER training. And their father is like horrified. Horrified. And they keep getting stuff in the mail versus training. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, Patrick has to hire some retired Marines to try to and the boys then decide that Patrick needs to be the next president. <laughs> Just make their life a lot easier if he was the president during these specific years. Yes, you're gonna. We need you to start getting into political office, Dad, because we need you to be president in 2004. Okay, that's the deal. <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> that's important for us. It's a good date. It's a very good date. Yeah, Rodney. Eventually, Rodney comes to live with them. Because they kidnap a Canadian kid. Patrick's like, does this Canadian kid need to go back home ever? Nope. Nope. We're keeping nope. him. <laughs> it's okay. His parents don't care. And then the Marine they hire to keep an eye on the boys eventually comes in and goes, I think you're going to need to hire more Marines. <laughs> Who else has been training them? And Patrick's like, nobody's been training them. Someone's been training them. They want him as president so they can get Someone away with all the things. Horses. Someone with special horses training has been training them. That's right. You know, they want their dad to be president so they can get away with all the things. <laughs> Literally all the things. <laughs> if you're president, dad, we'll be able to get all the funding we need for the Atlantis mission. And we won't have to deal with Elizabeth Weir. <laughs> they get invited to Seal Island. It would be a lot of fun. But it does start off angsty, and I was like, "Oh, I'm 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 drowning in angst over here." So it's not really your um, wheelhouse, to dig dude. Every, the angst. Everything I've been doing lately, I I swear I keep making these right hand turns until I'm like, "Huh, the ramifications of that is going to be very angsty." Do I really want to follow that through to where it's logically going to go? No, not really. Who poked your feelings? <laughs> I, right? I don't know. Whoever it is, I'm going to kick their ass. <laughs> That's more like it. Get my rusty murder face on. I'm going to hurt somebody. Well, one good way to modulate angst and Stargate is to have Rob start bitching. Yeah. Yeah. Because nothing derails angst more than McKay bitching about something. Mm -hmm. That's true. And then he could kind of burst. What? There are four of you? There are four fluffy haired idiots. And you all. Four did. What did you touch, John Shepard? <laughs> Rodney shows up and he's like, "Why are we all here? And why is this? Why a diner? Why a diner? This is the most ridiculous way station for the ascended beings I've ever seen. This is Daniel Jackson's fault. <laughs> I, I Where the hell we, is he? <laughs> I want a, I want a temple immediately. <laughs> 
If we're fucking ascended, you know he's ascended. Where the fuck is he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he ascends if he stumps his toe. <laughs> That'd be hysterical. The accidental bunch of accidental ascensions. There's a short little cracky fic for you. Is everything Daniel does causes him to ascend. He gets out <laughs> too. His, his coffee's too hot. He sips and goes, ow, ascends. And then he's back naked every time. <laughs> Told those assholes I'm not staying. Jack puts a directive out and they start making the coffee cooler because he's tired of Daniel ascending over breakfast. <laughs> you, see, you know, Daniel, you could not sip it till it's cooler, but no, you, you have to issue a directive that they make the coffee 20 degrees cooler so that you don't ascend before the morning briefing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> don't you have any self-control? <laughs> also, everybody in the mountain is seeing you naked at this point. And I'm everybody. sick of it. And I'm pretty sure there's more than a few people who've actually had their hands on your ass. And that's supposed to be my butt. <laughs> 101 ways to ascend in the mountain. Yeah. And then he goes, Dan, you were gone a little longer than that one than I was, than usual. It's like, well, that meeting seemed really boring. <laughs> Are you using these so accidental just... ascensions to get out of boring meetings? Wouldn't you, Jack? If you could accidentally ascend to get out of Meetings, wouldn't you do it? What if you could use accidental ascension to get out of paperwork? Wouldn't you do it? Of course he would. That could be a relay. Not Daniel's accidental ascensions, but character X ascends. The meeting avoidance fic, yeah. The one where Daniel sneezed and ascended. <laughs> Naked in the Oval Office. Mm. <laughs> they can't take him anywhere because if anything happens, he just disappears. <laughs> No, Daniel, you absolutely cannot leave the mountain. Are you kidding me? What happens if you stub your toe? You can't disappear at the grocery store. Again? <laughs> we barely covered it up the first time it happened. What happened if you ascended while you were in a Starbucks? That's just he, not cricket. He, ought, he wouldn't disappear. He would turn into a golden squiddly little monster right there in the middle of the frozen peas. <laughs> <laughs> You're a glowing squid. What's <laughs> <laughs> There'd be new stories about alien invasions. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. definitely gets sent to Atlantis. You're absolutely right. But Daniel could also wise up to the fact that if he he doesn't, he doesn't have to go back to the mountain if he when he descends. He could be like, wait a minute. Jack keeps refusing to let me go to Atlantis. Aha. He goes to Atlantis on his own. <laughs> He's gone for a few days. They keep I get for a while, and they call. Hey, um, we got Daniel Jackson, and then he's like sending him back, and Daniel's like, "No, no, wait, we just give, give it, give it time. I promise to come back the next time I ascend. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe the next two times I ascend. Atlantis is pretty dangerous. <laughs> I might actually die here. <laughs> there might actually be a mortal injury that causes my ascension, as opposed to a head cold." And that could be that could be the relay, actually, the absurd reason why Daniel Jackson, you know, <laughs> ascended. What if everybody has to carry a spare set of Daniel's clothes when they go off world? Because if he accidentally ascends when he's off world, he'll come back naked, and they have to have something for him to wear because he can't just run around off world naked. And what well. if so? What if so? That's three. That's three pair, spare changes of clothes, right? And so you start the start the story where they're coming back through, and Daniel's coming through naked, and Hammond's like. 
This is going to be interesting debrief. Because <laughs> depending on which team, it could be three or four, maybe even five people on the team. And they might have shared as much of their uniform with him as they can. If nobody's got any spare clothes to put on Daniel's coming through naked, it's like, how many times did he ascend while he was gone? What in the world happened on that planet? His Why existence have- really offended the natives, and they kept killing him every time he came back. <laughs> he came back? They killed him again. <laughs> Pollen. Yeah. If Daniel were literally... Considering how much, I don't think you could have him ascending over Sneeze, because he would be ascending constantly. Their uniform budget can't handle that. <laughs> how did the um, SGC's budget increase by 15%? In a month? Oh, well. It's it's allergy season. What? Is that supposed to make sense? Well, we you know, when Daniel needs a new uniform every 15 seconds for three solid months. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> and this it, dude. It finally, they're like, Daniel, as, Daniel, as part of cost-saving measures, we've been ordered to tell you that you are not allowed to descend until pollen season is over. So just stay up there. We, I, I, we don't care what you do. But you can't come back until you stop sneezing. You know, you, no, that is not something you need to tell Daniel Jackson. You can never, ever tell two people, I don't care what you do, three. <laughs> Daniel Jackson, Rodney McKay, and Tony Dinozo. No. Don't tell Stark. them you don't care what they do. Or Tony Stark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tony Stark yep. would be another one. Four. I don't care what you do, Tony. Oh, really? Well, that's interesting. Well, we definitely don't care who they do. They can do their own thing. Except Eli. Literally nobody can lie. No. You have to keep him away from your whoopee. (laughs) And one of the times, and to stay on topic, and one of the times Daniel Z ascends, they just give him wings. Just to fuck with him. He's like, what is this? Why do I have wings? Am I going to start molting? I mean, seriously, is that an issue? I mean, in wing fic, I haven't read enough wing fic to know if people actually put molting into the story. Do they, is, that, is that something you do? That seems weird. You're shedding feathers everywhere. <laughs> the question there, Ellie, is why does McKay have a loincloth? <laughs> it's my head can that he always does now. Always. He's always got a loincloth stuck in somewhere. <laughs> You need to, this, this this could be a deeply unsatisfying story where Rodney keeps coming up with a loincloth. People ask, why do you have a loincloth? And, the, and it never gets answered, ever, in the story. Because it's incidental. It's like this little subplot where it never gets handled is why Rodney is carrying a loincloth. You can even title that, why Rodney is carrying a loincloth, and never answer the question. Edie, I might have to put you back in the corner. Yeah, I think she earned it. <laughs> <laughs> she could be in there in a while maybe to the next podcast which could be a couple months from now <laughs> sorry it feels later than it is um cloth is cloth not hardly I mean because if you got like cloth diapers you would have to like tie it on I think Rodney would want some security in his loincloths. He'd actually want genuine loincloths. 
Yeah, actual ones. You know, the first time I was ever in a dungeon, there's a dude in a loincloth. I was pretty mystified by the whole thing. I was like, is that typical? <laughs> <laughs> I, I never saw anybody else in a loincloth, but yeah, every time I saw, every time he was there, he was always in the loincloth. I was like, okay. I mean, Edie, you definitely deserve to be in the corner over for this. You're evoking Queen, King Baby, and that's just not okay. <laughs> it's just really not okay. I told you she wouldn't. I, I I told you they would consider it an honor. Oh yeah, of course. But <laughs> it was a fun thing to do to you guys because like nobody considers going to the corner at all a problem anymore with all the booze and naked pictures in there. <laughs> no, we absolutely cannot discuss the turducken. We are going to be turducken We're not free. Ever discussing the turducken again, <laughs> be be or otherwise. I am never putting the word to duck in on another podcast art, so no. <laughs> I need to warn for it if it happens. <sighs> but I do think that the best idea we had come out of this is little teeny tiny dwabbits with flower wings is definitely the winner. Oh, Angelica, I'm so sorry. Turducken? listening to the Turducken podcast at work. <laughs> I don't even know why you would pick a podcast that was called where we're talking about a turducken. Actually, I just skipped that one altogether. I just seen that title and went, "What? They've lost their fucking mind." I mean, the only one that would be worse would actually be the one when we first had the genesis of Bob. That was towards the, 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 the end of the podcast. End of the podcast, though. Although I think that probably the hardest I've laughed in a podcast was when we did the John doing the whole thing to Sumner about. John travels back in time and he starts being a super conscientious. Exo. Sir? Yes, sir. <laughs> I sir I've been reading. Off. I left my ass off in that podcast. Sir? I sent you an email. <laughs> <laughs> sir, based upon the number of women in the in the uh, expedition... And the number of menstrual products we have on the order, I figure we've got enough supplies for about three months. That seems ill-advised. <laughs> Sir. Sir. Also, do we have the right to dictate that women are going to use tampons? That's all we're bringing. And Sumner's sitting there wanting to drive a nail through his head. I, I agree, mean, you know. but you can't make people do that. Well, the military might be able to. That's kind of invasive, though. I don't Thou think I don't think no. Cups. I don't think they should because on, honestly, honestly, have you ever tried to use a menstrual cup? Because I never successfully got one in. I I well, I did fold well, it. Yes, I folded yes. it for forty five minutes. I did the taco. I did the fold. Yes, I'm not an I'm I'm an adult. They're not they're just they're just not comfortable for everybody. I mean, and there's whole videos that talk about how they're not for everybody because not everybody can I can't pee with one in. I finally my initial trauma <laughs> my initial okay, my here's the thing, my initial trauma with it, I did get a softer cup because the first cup I got was too firm. Way too firm. That's why I said it's like a silicon boulder up there. Um so I got a very soft cup and I got it in, right? But even with that soft cup, that super soft cup, I can't pee with it in. Well, who wants to take their menstrual cup out like literally 15 times a day? Ugh. I I mean 
I never got it to sit right inside. Um, it's hard, and the softer they are, the harder. Um, the harder the softer they are, the harder they are to get them to sit correctly. Like sometimes I couldn't even get it to open up all the way. It was like, I don't think that's open. I don't think that I would um totally unrelated to the podcast topic, obviously, but um the reusable pads aren't big enough for me. Like the cloth ones that you snap into your panties and you can wash, um, they're not um big enough for me. Um and so they're and actually, they'd be great panty liner, but not like. Well, you can get some, you can get some that are made that are the same size as like the size five always. But my problem with them is because I tried one, they're pretty expensive. But the problem with them is, of course, is they move around. I mean, I need like Velcro or something to put those things in the right place because they can shift quite a lot, and that doesn't work for me. I mean, I need that to stay where it's. And stayed. also, I'm I'm not going to a belt. We move no. beyond the belt. We're Way not beyond belt. Reusable pads, just in my opinion, We're not going are not back to the pad belt. They're not there. I think they're. I think a lot of the ones I've encountered are badly designed. Um, just no. But period panties should have better potential. But if you like fill out their quiz about is your like are you suitable for the for the panties and type thing, they um. Like for me, they say you're, that you, I, they could only be used as backup protection on regular, on my normal flow days. They're fine for the light days, but on normal days, or you know, which are my heavy days, that I can't use them alone because they wouldn't, they provide inadequate protection. So what they're basically saying is that it, it, they would only are suitable is as a backup to a cup or a tampon. So I mean, it's great to have that reusable product that stays where you put it, but it still is backup. If you want primary protection that's external, it has to be. For, for me, I haven't found anything that, that is a substitute for disposable pads. The fact is, is that um, because of my um, general health condition, um, I regularly pass upwards of a pint of blood every month. Yeah, it's terrible. And so, and, and I know you have an issue with tampons, so that would be, and you haven't had success yeah. with the cup. So that becomes an issue of... Um, you're, you're left with I think that something. I would fill the cup up every hour, two hours. I would be like, I mean, that's exhausting. It takes me 30 minutes to get, <laughs> to get the damn thing in, right? And so by the time I, I get up and go do something, and then like I have to take it out, and y'all, <laughs> I would have been like, you bragged about not having a period for eight years. That's what you did, Sin. So I put you in the in the in the penalty box because <laughs> that's just that's just shit. <laughs> Bragging is ugly. <laughs> um, the other issue I have the cut with the cup was my cervix sets really high. It doesn't matter what cycle of part part of my what part of my cycle is. They say you know when you're on your period, your cervix will move down. No, it doesn't matter what part and part where in my cycle it is. It isn't reachable. Let's just put it that way. It is not reachable. So, um, the cup goes really quite high. <laughs> it goes, it goes, these heifers, it goes way high. So it's like, there was one day I couldn't reach it. I'm like, Hmm. And I've read all the things about how to get it out. So nobody needs to tell me to re repeat the things. I mean, I'm walking around the house and doing some little jumping to try to get, you know, gravity to help give me an assist so I can get this thing out. <laughs> and it just seemed like, but what I did, it just kept, 
Like, like, where is it? I know it's there. It turned sideways. I did, of course, eventually get it out, but I was displeased. Well, we're glad you're still here with us, and that, but you're still in the penalty box. <laughs> if my mother was on this podcast, she'd be in the penalty box too, because she tells me that all the time. Oh, well, I haven't had a period since '78. Like, shut. Oh, shut your horrible mouth. <laughs> My mom says the same damn thing. 78. I was born in 73. I mean, I have had my period for more than half my life. Because yeah, well, I started yeah. menstruating when I was 11 years old. Oh, that's the same. I was so. about to say 11. That's how old I was, too. So I've had my period for 36 years. That's. I'm done, that's, y'all. 11 is late. Now, 11 a little on the early maybe, side, actually. When, at a, when we were, it was a little on the early side when we were kids, but I think it's kind of more typical now. All those hormones in the groundwater. No, Ellie, now, you were really young. My niece is uh, um, 11, 12, 13. My mom didn't start till she was 16. Seriously? Ugh. I, I was Look, If the, I started I, my period at eight, I think I'd be in prison. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be if if I started my period eight, that would mean I'd been had my period for thirty nine years. I just wouldn't have been no. No, I did. I'd have to did have to start wearing a bra when I was eight, but I didn't get my period till I was eleven. Yeah, I got. I went from a training bra to a C cup, like over the summer between my fourth and fifth grade year. I remember the first weekend of July. I was eleven years old. I hadn't had um, the health class that talked about your period yet. So my mother had mentioned something about it to me when I was like five or six, but that didn't like stick in my head. So there I am at 11 wondering what in the world's going on in my pants. Can't your, kid, can't your kid's ignorant. Tell them. Tell them before they think they're dying. And we have ventured way far away from babies with wings, except unless it's always that we're talking about, like the small, short ones. <laughs> Which is like the best wings. Always. I like the, I always does have the best wings. Yeah. I get really irritated because uh, sometimes I'll buy the wrong package and it won't have wings. And I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> right. I got a whole, you can't take that back to the store because it's ridiculous. I didn't get, I needed to, I supposed to get the wings. I was supposed to get the wings. You know, the other have been like, Probably hundreds of men throughout history have been back at the store with a box of pads. I'm supposed to get the ones with the wings. <laughs> and there's a lady going there. You're damn right you were supposed to get the wings. We don't even know why they make them without. You know, I have actually, I have a cousin who hates the wings. Um, because it makes her skin irritated on her, um, on her inner, inner thigh. thigh. Uh, that happens yeah. to me with uh, like some brands because it, there's like something on the it's like it's like the wing kind of if it's not laid down perfectly it's like there's something in the adhesive that will kind of irritate my skin but yeah. um yeah i don't like the foam ones either i think they'd be great if if they weren't like why is they so narrow at the front <laughs> why it's really irritating i just flip it around and use the back as the front i just use the regular ones i'm like i can't deal with these this stupid landing strip they've decided to make this. You're trying to land a plane on my maxi pad. I can't deal with it. 
Anyway, who knows if this discussion of menstrual products will make it to the final draft of this podcast. Oh, you know, randomness. Uh, there's random and then there's, you know, <laughs> the cup. Um, I like the idea of, of writing Bilbo or um, Bella, um, whichever version you want to use, if you want to do the male or the female Bella, uh, Bilbo. Um, with wings, I think it's really interesting. I think it's really cute. I I don't, um, I don't think I've read a Hobbit story where Bilbo has wings. I don't think. I mean, I've read a lot of Hobbit, but I don't think I've, I don't think I've read any wing fic in the Hobbit. Um, so I think that you know, at least for me, it's kind of an unsatisfied. Um, it's it feels like an unsatisfied need there. Um, I just have to write it. Oh, that's cute. I think you need to write it. That idea that that uh, is it. Kanashi? Kanashi. Kanashi says, what if the wings sprout for your soulmate? Cause, yeah, because Sahara up at the top said, soulmate AU, where you get your wings when you meet your soulmate. Oh, yeah. Okay, Sahara said that too. So, yeah, I think that'd be really cute. You meet your wings. I mean, it has to be a very magical wing arrival because you wouldn't want blood everywhere. Right. You don't want that actual sprouting of wings to be a very physical situation. But the other side of it is I think it would be, this is going to sound really weird considering, you know, I've got literally hundreds of hours of me talking about things like my period and my colonoscopy. Not literally hundreds of hours of that, but me just being, you know, my, but you. I, um, I would not want to be exposed that way. I would you not want having... to have that manifestation in public. Yeah. I think it would make you what? feel very vulnerable. One of the most difficult things that I do um, in Sentinel and Guy Fix is that um, this is going to sound really weird, but one of the hardest scenes for me to write in the gathering was Rodney and John meeting for the first time because they could not control their um, reaction to one another. And that exposure um, was really difficult for me to write. Yeah, that is difficult because you, you know, not feeling like you can guard yourself from being vulnerable in front of others, strangers, people you don't know if you can trust them or mm -hmm. not. It's a very um, difficult and precarious position to be in. Yeah. So people have suggested some other, some other uh, ideas along that of that they become visible when you meet your soulmate um, or they get their color when you meet them. So that you always have wings. It's still, I think it still kind of puts you in that vulnerable position because you would imagine, I would imagine that it says something about you what your wings look like. So even if you've always been able to feel them, but you've never been able to see them, can you imagine you've got this, this giant thing as a part of you that you've never been able to see that's been there your whole life. You can feel it. And then all of a sudden it's there and other people, people see it before you do. Oh, <laughs> that is, that is actually horrific. And I just, you know, it's horrific. Now, gilded wings, okay. So you've already always had your wings, right? And they've always been visible, but all of a sudden they're like, you know. Gold-tipped. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I like the idea of tattoo manifestation um, or, you know, yeah. soul marks and stuff like that. I, you know, it's just the idea of, of meeting your soulmate in public and being exposed and being in front of people. Um, not you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, just kind of blip for a second there. Um, 
Yeah, it's just kind of a. I do like the idea of like a, the a kind of a magical manifestation of wings, though. I wouldn't want anything gory. But I would be. I think I'd be more inclined to have the the wings are there, but something happens to them when when you meet your soulmate. Because there's nothing wrong with combining tropes: a little wing fic, a little soulmate, little magical tattoo. Just take all the kitchen sinks and throw them in a bathtub and go big or go home, baby. But she didn't mean that literally. I mean, I don't want you to throw like every single trope that you love in a, into a fic because that's a hot mess. Yeah, no. I mean, the trope blender is to be used judiciously. We don't want your word salad. <laughs> a queenie. I know it was going to happen. I mean, she's she's so crazy. She is crazy. Um, there you go again. <laughs> so, Ellie, there are. Do not encourage that crazy. I, I think enabling gets you right in the penalty box. Um, but the um, you there are some compatible uh-huh. tropes I think that are implicitly compatible, like things like um, you know, like soulmate and wing thick. You could definitely do that. Magical wings, you know, magical tattoos because magical tattoos and wings those are. That's certainly the less gruesome way of getting your wings. I'm just saying. Um, I think I feel like I need to create a new group for them called the Booze. <laughs> they don't. Kanashi, that is that is Ellie's basilisk, and I that is a server emoji. Uh, Queenie, not not Ellie. Queenie, Queenie's, Queenie's basilisk. I thought that was an emoji on the server. It is. What's it called? Queenie. Oh, it's called Queenie. <laughs> yeah, there it is. We named the basilisk Queenie, or the other way around. We're not sure which. Because she hatched under a toad. <laughs> hmm I like the idea of, um, like I said, Bilbo and um, like um, just that hobbits have wings. But they're yeah, kind of think- like not a secret. Like they they don't know that it that it's a secret. That they just figure everybody knows they have wings. Well, and if their wings are like flowers and leaves and stuff, like let's say they don't particularly hide them, but they're impractical, so they let them pull into their back a lot when they're like when they're in brie or whatever. Um, but like let's say at festivals and stuff, somebody from a distance would just think that they had a lot of flowers and leaves and stuff. They wouldn't necessarily think, oh, wings. <laughs> Maybe they, maybe they wear tower. costumes during their little festivals. They wear little costume wings. They don't know that they're actually real wings. Right. Because they look like they're made out of flowers. And of course they wouldn't be actual, actual flowers. Because if they were actual flowers, they'd have to pollinate and they'd wilt. And ugh. Can you imagine saying, <laughs> oh, things. My, my wings are in flower. I need somebody to pollinate my wings. And that's just going to get really weird. It could be some really weird wing kink came out of that. You know, let's be honest. There's already some really weird winking. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Supernatural. Not that I've been over there and read that because I haven't, because I can't trust y'all. But um, I'm assuming, right? Kanashi, exactly. Who waters them and how? And we just need to not go there, which is why they need to be like a more of a magical flower, right? It, as opposed to a literal flower. It's more like like they just they they look like it's like a 
representation. Yeah, I actually, I, I have read a lot of really bad wing grooming as erotica, but there was one, I can't even remember what fandom it was in, because nothing stuck out about me about the story, the characters, nothing, except somebody did a really good job of this wing grooming, and it was very intimate with the straightening of the feathers and the getting them back into shape, and it's just something about it was just very, it wasn't the erotic aspect of it, but it was just so intimate, This the way they portrayed the getting and handling somebody else's wings, but like I said, it was sad that the rest of the story is pretty forgettable. <laughs> In the Hannibal Will fic where Will's the devil, um, he grooms Hannibal's um, wings. I feel I like, I've, I feel like I've read this fic, but I'm also f not sure I have. Because the wing grooming does not sound familiar, and I'm pretty sure that I would I'm have. Sure. I'm pretty sure. Unless I've read more than one, and that's entirely possible. What kind of wings would Ian have? Because y'all, the fiber um, fog is real. Mm. Ian would have... I mean, if we're doing feather wings, he'd probably have, like, black feathers. Because, you know. Um, or maybe something like I kind of want to like, get him, like dragon wings. But yeah, but I could but definitely the other see side him of it kind of... Is, guns don't smell great. Nobody's going to want to be using that to oil their wings. Gun oil. It doesn't smell good, y'all. Well, there is a brand of lube called There's nothing erotic or sexy about guns and their smell. Okay, Margaret. <laughs> for most people. <laughs> There's always that one freak. Well, I mean, and that's, that's all Ian needs, right? It's the one person who thinks gun oil smells good. <laughs> Are you, then, you know, are you that person that also likes the smell of gasoline and tires? If she's that person who likes the smell of tires, I just don't even know what to do with myself. I, she is. She's totally oh. that person that likes the smell of tires. <laughs> Sadria, I would, I would level up your corner if I could. What's the matter with you? In and Gibbs. Good God. Don't even put the, the, the mental imagery. Ugh. Ian deserves better. Thank you. He deserves Tony. No, because you know what? Ian's sniper enough for everybody. You don't need to add a second one. Nah. Nah, dog. That's a no from me. <laughs> I'm judging all of you guys' scent kinks. Go away. That's <laughs> <laughs> so weird, you guys. So weird. It's actually my headcanon that if Ian and Gibbs were existing, Ian would be higher on the list of snipers than Gibbs, and it would make Gibbs mad. Oh, definitely. And it would drive Gibbs nuts that uh, Tony was dating somebody who had a higher sniper rating. Yep. <laughs> He'd be like, he, like, he doesn't care that Tony's dating somebody. He cares that Tony's dating a better sniper. <laughs> it's a better shot. And I think Ian actually is really high up on the list he, in yeah, he, Numbers Canon. He, he moved into the number four spot during numbers in that episode where he killed Crystal Hoyle, um, he took that. That was the, I think that was his number four shot that moved him into the fourth spot nationally. I thought Don took that shot. Isn't that why he ends up in therapy? It might. Well, at which shot? There is a shot Ian took that moved him. No, he said he was moved into fourth, and he would get number third, number three eventually. But I don't remember then if it wasn't that. Which one was it? I don't remember which shot was it. I thought it was he was when he killed. I thought. 
But now when you said how you thought Don had killed him, I thought, yeah, that seems right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Don took the shot on Crystal Hole. That's why he ended up in therapy. Because the, they, they actually had Ian on the scene to do it, and, and Don took the shot. Okay, it says that... Oh, it was it was up to third. It says, with the kill shot through the cab window of a pickup truck executed in Pandora's box, Ian hopes to be moved up to the third best shot in the U.S., which implies that he, throughout most of canon, is fourth best. Yeah, Don did take Crystal Hoyle's kill shot. So through all of canon, he was number four until the end, towards the end of season three, when he thought that he'd taken a shot that would move him to number three. That's pretty significant, you know, to be number three and number four, number three nationally. There's no way Gibbs like is in that the way. Yeah. Under most circumstances, I really don't like to see like contemporary fandoms in the MCU. Because it's hard to explain, like, how the Battle of New York never came up in their canon. <laughs> right? Like, I think you can pull, like, one character out of a contemporary and stick them in the MCU. Like, you could do that with Tony Dinozo. But I think to do a full-on merger of NCIS and MCU, it it strains my credulity. I have a hard time with it. Yeah, I mean, I usually do it by whenever I'm doing a contemporary fandom type thing, I just have to set it before, you know, the Battle of New York or reference the event. So like in um in um uh, all your reasons, it actually the story mm -hmm. opens before way before the Battle of New York because it opens when Thor's hammer falls to earth, which is way back. And then it jumps forward to after the Battle of New York, and that whole first scene is dealing with them, you know, Tony thinking about the fallout of how things had changed since the alien invasion. So, you know, you have to account for it. Otherwise, it's just kind of like, well. But a lot of times, there's just like this sloppy, kind of smashed togetherness of it in the fic. And it's just like, really? Come on now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, you gotta, it's gotta be either either before or very close to where you start, you're very close to the Battle of New York so that you can explain what the fuck was going, you know, either right after or something so you can explain it. Now, I don't really explain, I do, I eventually explain the impact in Century, but Tony was long gone from NCIS by the time he was abducted by Hydra and turned into Superman. But well, I, I would prefer to see like these contemporary characters moved into the MCU than the MCU thrown in a contemporary fandom. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But to to be fair, MCU is a lot easier to deal with in terms of I actually find MCU easier to deal with than X-Men. They throw X-Men into contemporary fandoms and I just my brain goes, What? Because in the MCU what? The Inhumans, or whatever they called them, they weren't very well known. There hadn't been very many of them, whereas mutants were everywhere. So when you just plunk, you know, plunk X Men down on top of contemporary fandoms without any kind of explanation or it, it changing anything, it's really it can be really jarring. But the one that MCU, I don't have as much of a problem with if it's kind of there's kind of a deft hand with it. But DC is a much harder issue because the. <laughs> Those cities, I just, I don't know why it trips me up so bad that they invented cities. It's just major cities, too. <laughs> just call it you. I'm like, I always figured, I always figured Metropolis is New York, right? 
but in Gotham and Chicago, but apparently not. But that's what I always thought, right? But no, apparently not, since they're across a fucking river from each other, right? Which also doesn't make any fucking sense. Superman's awful close to be ignoring everything that happens in Gotham. I'm just saying, really, right? He is ignoring everything that happens in Gotham. That asshole. And some of it's really fucked up shit. It's like, really? Really, Superman? Really? Yeah, I mean, like, in Smallville, uh, Metropolis could be seen from Smallville. (laughs) Which was like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, but I'm talking about in the DCE, the DC Extended Universe, they're across the river from each other. Which which I grant you is a change from other iterations of dc but still it just trips me up that i don't know how to i wouldn't even know how to make those you know (laughs) i can't it's just this is this is part of my literal brain just tripping all over i can't do it can't on the other hand take your favorite contemporary character and plunk them down into um DC or Marvel or whatever and it becomes a lot easier all of a sudden to give them wings no that wouldn't be the wing grooming fic I was thinking of it might be one somebody else was thinking of um, because I've never read a Hawaii Five-0 wing wing fic ever no, in my entire no. life um I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and um, I hope you have a fantastic week. And, uh, I shall catch you later. Say good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Did you say good night? I did. But I'll say it again. Good night, everyone. <laughs>